At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate this offer. That's promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Bucks Podcast. I am your host, David Harrison, joined by Evan Winner of BucksNation.com. You can follow Evan on Twitter at Evan underscore Winner. Follow me on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Follow the show at Locked On Bucks. And of course, find everything that Evan and I are writing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on BucksNation.com and follow that on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Evan, uh, you're filling in. Uh, very, very uh, appreciative of you filling in today for James as he is taking his children. Uh, trick-or-treating and then spending some time with the family i know you have some family coming over too so we're going to get this done probably in standard time i don't even i don't even know if our listeners have gotten through the hour-long marathon that we laid down for them uh for halloween day the almost a dozen voicemails that we went ahead and answered but today's going to be much more of a traditional episode we're going to try to keep it around 30 minutes and we're talking seahawks so we we talked extensively about the titans we've talked extensively about what's happened so far this season with the coaches the players the turnovers all of it now we're going to look forward, and we're looking forward one week, as everybody has to do, and we're looking at the Seahawks. So, Evan, first question. Don't give me a prediction yet, but is there any chance the Buccaneers win in Seattle? Certainly. Yes, certainly. Definitely. That's exactly how we want to start this show off. So, if the Buccaneers have a chance, it's got to start and end with Jameis Winston, right? I mean, that's yeah. like the theme of 2019, yeah. I think. Yes. All right. So, what does Jameis Winston himself in your eyes, what does Jameis Winston have to do to, in order for the Buccaneers to to defeat the Seahawks? I mean, it's kind of hard to really pinpoint one thing because there's a lot of things. But I guess if you just had to choose one thing, I would go with just no turnovers, play smart. So no turnovers. So are we talking no Jameis Winston turnovers? Or are we talking no turnovers, period, no matter whose fault it is? Uh, no, Jameis Winston turnovers. Yeah, I mean, if you have stuff, yeah. If you have stuff happen like uh, like last week against the Titans, then you know that's just going to happen. But yeah. um, yeah, yeah. No, no, Jameis Winston turnovers. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I, I look at the Seahawks team, and I know every every team in the NFL. You know, they always talk about the turnover battle, and you can't turn the ball over and continue to win games in the National Football League. That's not a recipe for for success. But I think the Seahawks, more than any other team on the schedule up to this point. Um, I know that they've lost a couple games due in large part to those turnovers, but I think the Seahawks are the bigger team. Like if, if you if you give this team the ball, right, they're not only going to possibly make you pay for it, they're going to make you pay for it. Like that's just the kind of team that, Se- that Seattle has. It's the kind of team that Coach Carroll's put together that Russell Wilson leads. And honestly, man, like 
when I look at this defense, I, I feel like this is a situation again where, because I agree with you, I think the Buccaneers can can definitely come out of Seattle with a victory. But I feel like this is a situation that if the Buccaneers lose this game, it very will quite possibly yet again be Bucks beating Bucks because I want to start with the defense. This the the Legion of Boom is gone. Like the Seattle Seahawks defense of old that got them to the Super Bowl and, and should have won them two titles and all that stuff is gone. And in its place is a defense that I wouldn't say is laughable by any means. I mean, they've got three pretty good linebackers. They've got some good pass rushers and all that stuff. But uh, even even in the crossover episode that James just got done doing uh, earlier this week, the the lock the host of the Locked On Seahawks team came on there and said that this defense, by and large, is really not all that scary when you watch them on film. If you just look at the paper, if you just look at the black and, the, and white, and you see the Jadavian Clowney, Ziggy Anza, Michael Kendricks, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, it sounds really scary. But when you watch them, they haven't been doing as much as you would think this unit would do. What I know you've been studying a little bit and, and been looking into this into this team. What are your what are your first initial thoughts on this defense before you see them take the field on Sunday? Um, they're pretty much just a middle of the pack, maybe even below average defense. Um, I think, like you said in the beginning, they rely more on opportunity than anything. That's why it'll be crucial for the Bucks, especially Winston, to avoid turnovers. But um, when it comes to just the defense as a whole, as a whole Football Outsiders um, has them at, ranked as the 22nd overall defense, um, 19th pass 23rd rush so it's kind of pick your spot with um whatever you want to do uh and the the um defensive line or just the defense as a whole isn't very good at getting to the quarterback either they only have 12 sacks on the year um i don't know uh i I can't remember the exact number uh the sack percentage number but obviously it's pretty low and they're they're in the 20s when it comes to that so tampa bay has 16 sacks on the year for contacts or context contacts um so, yeah, like I said just a second ago, it's kind of pick and pick and choose your spot when it comes to this defense and what you want to do. Uh, it's just too bad that Tampa Bay hasn't been too good at picking and choosing their spots on offense here lately. Yeah, you know something something that I really have not enjoyed hearing so far this season from from both Jameis Winston and Byron Leftwich is that we're not worried about what they're doing; we're worried about what we're doing. And I really hope that this is one of those games where Byron Leftwich and Jameis are looking at least a little bit of what the Seattle Seahawks are doing. Uh, because it was it was mentioned in the crossover, and I thought it was really interesting. And then I went back and I watched their last game against the Atlanta Falcons. And very early on in that game, Rondé Barber said the same thing. And, and I definitely came into it looking for it. And then once Rondé said it, I was especially looking for it. And what, what both of these guys said is that the Seattle Seahawks, as much as NFL defenses play in sub-packages these days, where nickelbacks are almost considered starters, um, the, the Seattle Seahawks really like staying in their base package as much, as much as possible because it gives them Kendricks, Wagner, and KJ Wright all on the field at the same time. And when you when you look at a defense that likes to do that, like that just kind of is obsessed with keeping their three linebackers um, on the field. You know, the the, the Seahawks run, you know, a base 4-3, which Damian Clowney, Ziggy On's coming off the edges, Jaron Reed and Puna Ford in the middle, and then Kendricks, Wagner, and Wright as your main as your linebackers there. If the Seahawks are, are are just kind of digging their heels in saying, no, we're going to keep our three linebackers on the field, while those three linebackers are very talented guys, they're still linebackers, and that that presents an opportunity, and you wish that a guy like O.J. Howard was a little bit more healthier than he is. I honestly don't really foresee him playing this weekend. I mean, you know, stranger things have happened, obviously, so it's possible, and you know if he can, he'll be out there. Cam Braid, I'm a little bit more hopeful with. Uh, there was reports today that Tanner Hudson was getting reps with the ones and in preparation for this game. And we saw him get some time with the ones in the preseason. 
And he actually did. He looked like he fit, you know what I mean, in, in the li- limited action that he got uh, with those guys. So I feel like this is a game, and, and, and I feel like we're, we're going we're gonna to start becoming a broken record. And I know James talked about it on the crossover as well. This is a game where this team, this offense, has an opportunity to get their tight ends rolling early and exploit the fact that the Seahawks are obsessed with keeping linebackers on the field and potentially, and, and knock on wood as we talk about this, Brashad Perryman could find himself in some matchups that are very that are very uh, advantageous for him and his skill set going up against a linebacker, and eventually force the Seahawks to go into a package which they consider to be less talented. Like that's that's the bottom line is they like staying with those three linebackers because they feel like that puts their best eleven defenders on the field. So if you exploit that a little bit and you force them into their sub package, you're automatically taking this defense and making them do something they don't want to do. That gives you an advantage of sorts especially on the road and kind of help you out as the game moves on. But once they go into their sub package, something I noticed against the Atlanta Falcons is because that pass rush isn't getting home as much as they want it to, they play off quite a bit. That's something that, that this offense can take advantage of. And again, if you're worried, if you are not so much worried about what they're doing, but if you're game plan what they do is, is there a better wide receiver, Evan, in the, in the in national football league, maybe that is as good as eating up space Hitting the brakes, coming back five yards than Mike Evans. Uh, no, definitely he's one of the best. And honest, and from the the tape that I've been able to watch, it's pretty funny. Um, you know they like to run zone a lot and stuff, but when they run man, they're actually pretty damn good at it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they match up with the guy speaking to Mike Evans and everything like that um, this week on offense because you know these receivers aren't very good at getting separation. So you wonder if maybe they'll press yeah. up on them. But, dude, I'm right with you on the linebackers and coverage type deal, um, especially if they could get Ronald Jones matched up out there somewhere in the mm. middle of the field. Uh, if you look at K.J. Wright, 98.8 quarterback rating when targeted. Uh, Bobby Wagner, 116.3 quarterback rating when targeted. And then Michael Kendricks is a 99.3 uh, quarterback rating. They've allowed two, four, five touchdowns combined. So, yeah, man, that's definitely an advantage to take uh, – to try to exploit this weekend for sure. Yeah, man, and, and I'm glad you brought up Ronald Jones. I mean, doesn't this, when you look at this defense, Evan, doesn't this look like a defense that is just made for Ronald Jones? I, I know we've yeah. all been waiting for it, man, but isn't this, this, this is custom made for a Ronald Jones breakout game? Him and Chris Godwin. I expect a lot of slants across the middle. You know, maybe yeah. maybe some run, maybe some RPOs, or maybe not even RPOs, just read options, or not read options, but a zone, zone, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, even play action. So, um, it, it'll just be interesting to see what they do, and who knows? Maybe they'll come out with a win. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, it's it's just one of these games where it really looks like they're this defense is susceptible susceptible to a lot of things, but they're susceptible to a lot of things that we haven't seen Byron left, which really unleash from this offense as often, and that's what makes me nervous is that there's an opportunity here that I'm worried they're not going to be taking advantage of, uh, based off of of you know just a short history. Obviously, it's the first year not even full ha- fully halfway through the season this this represents the halfway part of their schedule but it it just makes me nervous man i really hope we get to see some of these things that we're looking for um because again if if they're giving those soft cushions or they're playing those zones like you're talking about you hit those slants you hit some of those comebacks and it draws the secondary up or it draws those cornerbacks up um cuz cuz i agree with you when they play in man they're they're not they're not really bad the problem playing in press coverage like the buccaneers defense find themselves is when your pass rush doesn't get home eventually a receiver is going to come open and, and I think that's why the Seahawks have resorted to playing off and playing zone as much as they have. But when they do step up, when they do come up and they do try to play that press, 
that's where you have opportunities open up for double moves. Plenty of opportunities, man, which honestly coming into it, I really wasn't expecting to see against Seahawks. I really looked at, and I think a lot of you know casual fans, you're probably going to look at this, you're going to look at the record that the Seahawks come in with. You're going to look at the record that the Buccaneers come, win, um, come in with. And obviously the Seahawks are going to win this game, right? It's in Seattle. Um, but again, like they, like the gentleman said on the crossover episode, Seattle, Seattle's home advantage hasn't been as significant this season as it has in some other seasons. Um, but one guy who usually does pretty good uh, for the Seahawks in his career, of course, is Russell Wilson. And so let's flip, flip over to the offense. Who on the offense scares you, not, cl- not counting Russell Wilson? Who on this offense scares you right now? Well, you've got a couple options, and it's really, really tough for me to to pick between the two, man. Um, I guess just putting in context of what we know the Buccaneers' defense is good at and what it's not good at, I'm going to say Tyler Lockett for sure. Yeah, Lockett, uh, Lockett, Lockett is definitely a good choice, especially when you look at this defense and how much they like to run uh, single high coverage, especially when you look at how much they do like to put their their cornerbacks kind of on on island there, Tyler is a guy and and honestly Evan I'm a little bit more scared of Tyler going over the middle than I am Tyler just going straight down the field because if Devin White like Devin White's issue in preseason Devin White's issue in training camp I don't I call it an issue but it's, it's not so much an issue just something I would like to see more of is it still seems like the dude doesn't trust his own closing speed and when he when he's sitting there in the zone coverage in the middle of the field he just does not get very deep and I think he's doing that because he wants to play what's in front of him and I get that urge. I understand it. Um, have you ever played rugby? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when I first started playing rugby, I think most Americans, when you first start playing rugby, uh, you have a really big problem staying back, right? Like, like we're, 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 so, we're so ingrained in, in this go move forward and attack mentality. But if you're yeah. running forward down the field, you're, you're, you know, unless there are certain plays going on and all that stuff. You're, you're really putting your team at a disadvantage <laughs> an advantage. And I feel like that's what Devin does. He sees what's in front of him. He sees all the action. He's so aggressive and he wants to get involved. He wants to put his nose in the pile that he almost holds. He tethers himself to the line of scrimmage and it prevents him from getting deep into his zones, get deep into his drops. And that's when you see some tight ends and some guys get behind him. A guy like Tyler Lockett, if he can shake his corner, get behind Devin White because he's not dropping deep enough and get that ball in between the linebackers and the safeties, He's shifty enough and fasty enough. Uh, fasty. I just said fasty enough. He's shifty <laughs> enough and fast enough that he could be gone, man. I mean, that could be that could be a home run. We saw Evan Ingram do it to this defense. Tyler Lockett could do that in a in a in a flash. Yeah, and they use him um, actually pretty much just like in that fashion. Uh, his yards before catch per reception is nine point eight. Um, DK Metcalf actually leads the team with 13.5. So, yeah, they like to use him right in that intermediate range, um, you know, kind of on the slants, on the digs type deal. And, yeah, man, I mean, I don't – from what I've looked on NFL next-gen stats, their wide receivers are always ahead of the uh, average yards of separation from receivers um, and the defender at the point of the pass. So it's going to be really interesting to see. We, we've seen Vernon Hargraves get burned multiple times. We've seen Carlton Davis get burned multiple times, Sean Murphy bunning. Um, it's going to be really e- interesting to see if the Bucks play a lot of man or zone because we've also seen breakdowns in the zone as well whenever they've run, whenever they've run zone. So you would think that a lot of these receivers like Tyler Lockett are going to be able to get their separation and make some a lot of plays on Sunday. But then again, 
I thought the same thing with uh, the Titans receivers, um, and that's not just because I pay attention to the Titans. They do have pretty talented receiving core when you look at who they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought they'd be able to make some plays, and the Bucks shut them down. But that might just have been more to the extra week of preparation than anything. But mm-hmm. as always, we'll find out this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bucks' defense uh, stacked up pretty well against Tennessee's offense for the most part. Yeah. Obviously, oh, yeah, that ninety-yard good. drive. Uh, they held, they bad. held, they held Tannehill under two hundred yards. You know, he had yeah. three touchdowns, but two of them were what starting from exactly. the ten-yard line or the fifteen-yard line and the six-yard line. I mean, come on. I mean, of course he's gonna th- he's gonna throw touchdowns in those situations. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can still say, well, the defense can still keep him out of the end zone. Got it, but. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not holding that too much against defense, to be honest with you. Um, so I'll tell you what, so a guy that, and, and I'll, I'm with you there, Evan, I really, I thought, um, so I have AJ Brown on my fantasy roster. I did not start him, but it, I, I, I will tell you, I spent more than a couple minutes thinking about starting him. Cause I really did feel like he had an opportunity to do some things against the Bucks defense, but, uh, very, uh, happily, obviously they, they were able to contain him pretty well for the most part. Um, a guy I'm looking at on the Seahawks defense or offense, Evan, is is David Moore. Um, I don't know if he's officially their slot receiver. I don't know. You know, I don't know enough about the Seahawks. But what I'll tell you is, is that what I saw a lot against Atlanta this just this last week is that what they like to do is line up David Moore, and they like to run him uh, inside out. And what I mean by that is they like to either line him up inside in, in the slot position, or even if he's a perimeter receiver, they just line they they line him up near the hashes. And they like to use his stem to force the defense to, to cover inside and then kick him out. And Russell Wilson is probably one of the best in the league in dropping passes into the basket on the outside quarter of the field. And when I when I think about this Buccaneers defense, I look at Sean Murphy bunting, man. And if they get David Moore lined up against Sean Murphy bunting, Sean, Sean Murphy bunting, is just, he's not been, you know, when, when you go back and you look at his college tape, and when he got drafted, that's something that I did to try to see what do the Buccaneers see in this guy that that made them draft him in the second round. He was a, he was a guy who's projected to be a third round pick in the first place, and you know everybody kind of agreed they probably have bigger needs. So it was kind of a confusing pick. What I saw though was a guy who was very physical, very aggressive, went after the ball very well, and really didn't give up a whole lot to receivers. Receivers had to earn what they got against him in college. What we've seen so far in the NFL, and he's gotten better, I, I will say, I think. Um, but what we've seen so far for the majority of the time in his NFL career. Uh, this short NFL career is that he's much more passive uh, as a professional right now. And I don't know if some of that is just kind of culture shock from the speed of the game and, you know, receivers are bigger, better, more technically sound. I don't know what it is, but this dude's got to find his fight. He's got to find the dog in him and he's got to get back in the fight because if, if he comes out with a guy like David Moore and he lets Moore use his release, use his stem to push Murphy bunting around the field, then what's going to happen is exactly what we saw in Atlanta where Moore is going to push bunting towards the inside part of the field. He's going to kick out on one of those post routes or uh, on, on a corner route. And Wilson's just going to, is going to dump the ball uh, right into the perfect spot on the outside corner. And I feel like there's, there's probably going to be some big plays there uh, for Russell Wilson. If Murphy bunting specifically doesn't do a better job of getting physical with David Moore and controlling some of the traffic and some of the flow of, of where Moore's targets go. Um, I look to see if Murphy bunting can take that outside leverage and not let himself get pushed in and use the safety to help him on the inside routes if they go there. But from what I saw against Atlanta, they're going to look to use more, more on the outside parts of the field than they are on the inside. And that means that Sean Murphy Bundy's got to be ready for it uh, because if he lets more get outside of him, you know, again, it could be, it could be lights out. So interesting that neither of us took DK Metcalf. I thought maybe you might look at DK Metcalf, but um, I do like Tyler Lockett from that aspect as well. 
You know, my other guy would, would have been Chris Carson. Um, I mean, DK Metcalf is definitely like a good 1A or, you know, whatever. But uh, Chris Carson would have been my other guy. But like I said, given the context of the Bucks defense, we know they're really good at stopping the run. It would, it doesn't scare me at, as much knowing how good they are at stopping the run. So Tyler Lockett definitely, that, that gave him the leg up. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so let's go ahead and move over to the Buccaneers side of the ball now. Uh, so Evan, it's it's key player times. Uh, we're gonna go offense first, then we'll go defense. So, who is your key Buccaneers offensive player for this game? Chris Godwin. Got to make plays through the middle. That's your guy. Um, Mike Evans obviously is the deep threat for the team. He's officially the that guy. Um, but Mike Evans definitely. Uh, he's just or not Mike Evans. Chris Godwin. He's he's got to make some plays. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely looking for a big bounce uh, bounce back game after I believe a season low four catches and 46 yards last week. Yeah, I mean for for a lot of receivers, you know that would have been an average day at the offense office, and you probably would have taken it. And you know you want the win, obviously, but from a personal standpoint, you're kind of happy with it. But for uh, you know one of the league's best receivers in, in the National Football League. Uh, for 2019, that's a disappointing performance. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing uh, Chris Godwin get back to uh, to his productive ways. I'm looking at Tanner Hudson, man. Um, again, I don't think OJ is playing. Uh, Cameron Brait. Yeah, Cameron Brait. I think Cameron Brait has a good chance of playing, but he's still he's banged up. And I think that's more going to be about toughness than it is anything else. But this team activated Jordan Leggett from the practice squad. They don't do that if they think that there's even a chance that both these tight ends are playing Brayton Howard. And I think they do that because they think there's a very good possibility that both these guys aren't playing. And then again, the fact that Hudson's getting number one uh, or is getting reps with the first team, you know, Anthony Alclair, we all know he's a better blocker than he is receiver. So if they're looking for receiving production or reception production, it's going to come from Tanner Hudson. And right now there's no third receiver on this team. And we've all been pounding the table and pounding the table. Your best receiver is coming from, your best number three option right now is coming from the tight end position. And even with OJ out, even with Cambray out or banged up, I still feel like this team's best number three option comes from the tight end position, even if that's Tanner Hudson. So I'm looking for Tanner Hudson to come out here and match up pretty well against some of these linebackers and use some of the athleticism and that athleticism, that, that length uh, and, and that physicality that he has to hopefully make some plays for this team. I'm not going to call for a big stat line or anything like that. But if this team can get the tight end position involved, whether it's Bray or Hudson specifically, um, it's going to do a lot of things to help free up guys like Godwin, like Evans, and maybe even free up some space to get Rojo going. Yeah, so what do you think about it? I'll give you a second to react to that. <laughs> if he could do four for 40 and just you know sprinkle a touchdown on top, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm just saying four for 40 touchdown mm-hmm. would just be a bonus, and that would be a huge boost for the offense for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and not for nothing, but uh, four for 40 would make him uh, instantly the the he would he would instantly have more receptions and yards than any other receiver on the Buccaneers roster. Not named. Like it's so sad. So just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> that is so sad. Oh more on God. that coming on BucksNation.com probably today as you're listening to this episode. Like, I'm actually in the middle of writing it as we're recording this. Like that, when you said that, like I literally like felt wind leave my body. Like I felt air like leave my body. That's just that's just terrible. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough out there. Um, all right, let's flip over to the defensive side, Evan and James. And I have a rule: um, no Shaq Barrett. You can't pick Shaq Barrett. You know, last year it was the JPP rule. That rule is not in place yet. So JPP is still out there if you want to pick him. But right now we're going no Shaq Barrett. So who's your key defensive player of the game? 
Um, Jordan Whitehead. Uh, he yeah. might actually be playing a lot of spy on Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, or maybe not even spy, just more contained than anything. Um, you know, obviously you've got Levante David and Devin White, but uh, I really don't. I really want to see how they're going to use him. Uh, this weekend for sure. Uh, obviously, he won't be the guy playing center field if they're doing three deep or anything like that. So, but I'm just really curious as to how he's going to be used. Um, I, fe- I really want to say J- Jason Pierre-Paul because you can really create some pressure against this uh, offensive line, but because and they're not very good at protecting Russell Wilson. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Jordan Whitehead. That's that's my guy on defense this week. Yeah, I love Jordan Whitehead in this game. Uh, I was thinking about it earlier and. Out of everybody in the secondary, I don't want any like if, if I'm Todd Bowles, and this kind of sounds counter counterintuitive against a guy like Russell Wilson, but if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm telling my secondary, I want you bird boxing Russell Wilson. Like you are not allowed to look at Russell Wilson while you are in coverage if you're in my defense this this week if you're Todd Bowles, except for Jordan Whitehead. Like Jordan Whitehead's the only dude I want looking at Russell Wilson. Everybody else in the because of the mismatches, because of the DK Metcalf, because of Tyler Lockett, because of David Moore. Every other person in the secondary, just focus on your guy. Let everybody, let the linebackers worry about Russell Wilson. Let Jordan Whitehead worry about Russell Wilson. We'll have some calls. If we called this, that means that Russell Wilson getting loose, turn around and make a play. But other than that, until you hear that call, just do your job, lock in on your guy, and don't do anything else. So I love Jordan Whitehead as a, as the selection there. I'm going with Vita Vea, and I'm trying yeah. to remember. I'm trying to remember if Vita was a guy I picked last week or not. It might have been. So to the listeners out there, if I picked Vita Vea last week, I'm sorry. Please don't fire me. Um, but it's for a very good reason. The Seattle Seahawks are starting Joey Hunt at center this week because they lost their starting center. Their starting center was a captain on this team for a reason. The connection between the center and the quarterback is huge. If Vita Vea can do some things to rattle Joey Hunt, if Vita Vea can do some things to get Hunt off of his platform, and really what I want to see is I want to see Vita Vea throw Joey Hunt into Chris Carson's face because Chris Carson, as good as he is or can be as a running back, he does need some room. He's not a guy that can cut on a dime. So if his if, if the offensive line is getting pushed back into his face, that's going to cut his angles uh, significantly. It's going to keep him from bouncing out some of the ways that he likes to do. And it's going to give guys like JPP and, Sha- and, and Sha- uh, Shaquille Barrett and Devin White and all those guys time to collapse in on him. It's going to help keep Chris Carson contained. Um, but bigger than that, I mean, if Russell Wilson, you're not, you're never going to rattle Russell Wilson, but if Russell knows that he's got pressure coming up, up into his face from Vita Vea behind that center, it's going to give him less confidence in the line in front of him. It's going to make Russell Wilson have to make faster decisions. And anytime you can make a quarterback, make faster decisions, there's always a possibility that he's not going to be able to read something in the field. He's not going to, there's gonna be something in his blind spot that he doesn't have time to look for. And that's when defenses come up and make plays. So Vita Vea is my defensive player uh key defensive player of this game um we're almost out of time evan but real quick i do have a guy that i want to talk about for just a minute so i want to ask you who's your biggest concern in this game from a buccaneer standpoint which player are you most concerned about so like most player on the bucks that i'm most concerned about yeah um man that's a good one uh i'm gonna go uh peyton barber i just i don't see how Seahawks are real good in between the tackles. Um, not so good on the outside. Um, they're real, you know. They've got, I believe, KJ Wright and uh, and um, the other cat in the middle. Can't think of his name, Bobby Wagner. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what how Peyton Barber gets utilized in this game. Um, like you were saying earlier, it really feels like a rojo game. But yeah, I don't really see how Peyton Barber makes any hay this weekend. But I could always be wrong. 
Yeah, no, I feel you on that. And I'll tell you, the guy that I'm most concerned with on the Buccaneers roster right now is Carlton Davis. Um, and it's not just because of the injury or the, the penalty history. It's because of this matchup. Like, Carlton Davis against DK Metcalf feels like a pass interference waiting to happen. <laughs> and you Carlton know he's Davis lined up on him too, easily. Yeah. When Carlton Davis lines up against Tyler Lockett, it feels like a defensive holding waiting to happen. Or a touchdown. I, <laughs> touchdown i don't like carlton davis just does not match up well in this game and 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 officials and i understand that some of these penalties getting called against him or chintzy or you know tiki tack whatever you want to call it but again going back to the ryan jensen interview that we had this offseason we asked him about all of his penalties and he said it's like well listen you know in this league once you get a reputation especially among the referees for being a guy that does a lot of things that deserve penalties they start looking closer and they start getting nitpicky of you. And that as a professional, you have to recognize that and you have to start combating that. I feel like the officials are coming into these games and Carlton Davis is on their note card. It's, and his number is on their note card saying, this is a guy in red or in white for the bucks that I need to look at because he's a guy who's committing a lot of penalties. And so when you're, when you're that guy, picky penalties called on you because they're immediately coming in the game saying, Hey dude, you can't do that against my squad. You can't do that with my team, with my officiating group on the field. And Russell Wilson's an incredibly smart quarterback. Coach Carroll is an incredibly smart coach. Uh, I, I don't see any way Seattle does not come out targeting Carlton Davis very early, looking to make him play physical to draw some of those early flags. So he's the guy I'm worried about the most. And then, Evan, to, to wrap things up, um, unless you think I'm crazy about Carlton, uh, to wrap things up, go ahead and tell us who's winning this game and by what score. All right, man. So, you know, I just, I, I just, I've had a feeling ever since about Tuesday. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the medication I've been on since I tore my ACL. But <laughs> I think somehow they pull it out. Um, Seattle. Yeah. If you look at who they've beaten so far this year, um, they haven't really won any impressive games. Uh, Los Angeles, but Tampa Bay beat Los Angeles as well. Other than that, you know, they got their butts whipped by Baltimore. Um, I think there are plenty of matchups here that Tampa Bay can exploit. Um, I think for once they're going to channel the anger into good play and execution, not frustration like dumb penalties and turnovers and all that stuff. Um, and this is their, this is it. I mean, the season is this week, and I think they know that. Um, I believe they do just enough to get by, and I think they come out with a victory, man. I'm going to go, let's see, 26-20 bucks. 2620. All right. So I think this has all the trappings of a slugfest. Um, call it what you want. Back and forth, you know, uh, points, you know, points on points on points. I feel like this is built to be a high scoring affair. I feel like the Buccaneers are going to win as much as I almost, I kind of like, there's something in my gut telling me not to say the Buccaneers are going to win. Right. Everything's telling me not to say the Bucs are going to win. (laughs) But I look at the teams, man, and I look at what they're capable of doing. And what has me nervous is this is a team that consistently is Bucs beating Bucs. The only game, honestly, that I will say that I don't think the Bucs just flat out beat themselves in is New Orleans. And even that game, you can point to certain things that the Buccaneers could have done to make themselves more competitive in that game. But that's the only loss this season. I will look at and say definitively, like the Buccaneers should have won that game. The Buccaneers beat themselves in that game outside of New Orleans. 
I feel like that's kind of like, like that's kind of what this team is right now. Like until the Buccaneers stop beating the Buccaneers, they're going to continue beating the Buccaneers. So I almost don't want to pick them until they stop until they show they can stop beating themselves. But I also look at Jameis Winston, man. And we've been doing this for a little bit, right? You and I have been we've been we've been writing about football. We've been covering the Buccaneers for a little while. This storyline just feels like it's 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 a peaks and valleys storyline. And right now we're in the valley. We came out of, out of London at, at the lowest of lows, coming out of Tennessee. You know, everybody, you know, a lot of people are kind of on the train where it wasn't all on James. We talked about this yesterday, but the turnovers are still there. The stats are still there, quote unquote. So it's like a little bit better, but it's not all the way up. I think this is where we're going to get our next peak, Evan, because if there's anything that can that can that can make a case for a young quarterback being capable of being your franchise leader, mm-hmm. it's beating Russell Wilson in his own house. So I just oh, feel like certainly. this storyline and it needs a uh, it needs a victory for Jameis Winston against Russell Wilson in Seattle right before he comes back home to take on the number one overall draft pick next week. It's about time for a midseason upset. Yeah. So I'm going Bucks and I'm going for right, like to it. 35. I like it. I like it. Uh five touchdowns, two field goals. I think that's what gets the job done. And I have a bold prediction, but I want to give I want you to give your bold prediction first, and then we're gonna get out of here. Okay, bold prediction. Um, let's see. Ronald Jones has over 110 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I love it, and I have him on my bench. Maybe I'll start him. Here's <laughs> my bold prediction. Both quarterbacks throw for four touchdowns. There you go. I like it. So that's my bold prediction. So, Evan, you and I both have the Buccaneers winning. If you missed the crossover, James has the Seahawks winning, as does Lawton Seahawks. Host. He also has the Seahawks winning, as does like every book. In, in the world, you know, Vegas, everybody else, probably everybody outside of Tampa Bay has the Seahawks winning. But I don't know, man. Like I said, we, you know, we come here, we deliver the truth. What I see on film, what I see in these games, what I see on, you know, from what the season is, has produced. Again, the Buccaneers have the talent. They have the ability. We just got to see if they can put it together and stop defeating themselves. So we'll see what happens. Uh, ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land, of course, as always, thank you for joining us. Uh, follow everything that Evan and I are writing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at BucksNation.com. Follow that on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Follow the show at LockedOnBucks. Follow Evan at Evan underscore Winner. Follow me at DH82 underscore Bucks. Again, if you missed it before, James and I will be back tomorrow on Saturday for a special weekend edition. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but I'm thinking about calling it like James. This is your life. Again, you guys called in with some reactions on some things that James did while I was sick in a way. And he is going to come on and he's going to answer to all of your accusations and questions. And it's going to be beautiful. And I can't wait to do it. So please come back for that. But until then, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. If we don't hear from you before then, remember to call in with your reactions after the Seattle game and let us know what all your thoughts are after the Buccaneers go into Seattle and come out with a victory. And until we talk again, thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Where did he go? Why you wanted to be where you're